less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Deep Dive. Martin, who is, when's the last time you had an employee? Oh, probably more than 10 years ago. More than 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And other than myself, I'm an employee. Sure, but when, when was the last time you uh, onboarded an employee? Is it 10 years ago? About 35 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Never have done that. Uh, probably that long. 10 years? I mean, yeah. Last employees, we onboarded. Okay. Um, I wonder how onboarding has changed over the years. Because there's a lot of technology now. Well, the delivery system may have changed. I was I was pretty bad at it, so it's hard for me to say what's changed. Well, let's make sure we interview you really closely okay. today. If so you were bad at it, I can humble myself. <laughs> I've learned a lot since uh, since I quit having employees. How I wish I would have done it. Okay, nice. How are we doing? Good. Okay. Um, let's start over. I was just kind of okay. going. Um, you good? We good I'm with good. this? I'm good. We'll find out. We're winging it. Okay, cool. Martin, when's the last time you had an employee? More than 10 years ago. So you haven't onboarded any in the past year? But no, and you know, I kind of hate you bringing that up because... I'm always talking about building a highly profitable business that can work without you, <laughs> and I'm not being uh, congruent in yeah, that. Yeah, but I think you're also in a different realm than most. I'm, because I'm old? Um, no, I could totally do it. It's a decision. I'm aware of it. I yeah. uh, hate to say it. I love people, but I, I don't want any employees. Yeah, for I, sure. I don't. I'm sure a lot of business owners feel that way, but at the same time, they need them. My, my dad used to say the last thing an employer wants is an employee. <laughs> and, of course, they're, they're critical. Um, yeah. they're, they're the main technology's done a lot, but still people are the, are the main uh, source of leverage mm-hmm. to move yourself out of the business and give you freedom. But they're also, when I look through my weeks of talking with clients, at least half of the things we're talking about are employee employees. issues. Yeah. yeah. Employees or customers. Probably, problem-wise, um, it's employees. Yeah, customers. Typically, it'll be in marketing and how to serve them better, and so on. And there's a connection there. Yeah, <laughs> how good your employees are determine in many respects how good your customer experience is. Absolutely, and I think for a lot of business owners, uh, entrepreneurs, they get frustrated with employees because all they all they see are the issues and that they're not doing it as well as they can do it. They don't care about it as much. And I think that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today is how you can set up an employee for success. Right. It's, but it's, you have to always understand that they're never going to care about it as much as you do. Um, if they do, then you found a really good employee. There, there are some rare exceptions out there yeah. of you know, sidekicks, mm-hmm. kind of, if you want to refer to that way. Somebody who is, I can think of one. I had some clients in yesterday. That have a sidekick. Yeah, and that, that's kind of a uh, pejorative there. I don't mean it. They're not a sidekick, but somebody who is truly as involved and cares as much about the company as the owner. 
and but I mean, that's a pretty, rare, pretty good deal when you find them. Yeah, because or you can't expect them. someone that has none of the uh, leverage, none of the upside that you have as the owner of the business. Maybe even for a lot of these companies, their name is on the business, uh, and the employees don't have that. I mean, they're it's it's a job to them. It's not something that's a legacy or the potential future uh, retirement for you, whatever it is. If you go and sell that company, unless you've got stock options and you know, profit sharing, uh, those kinds of things in place. The employee's not walking away with what you can walk away with. Right. But right. Um, of course, you got to get there. The flip side of that is uh, they don't have the risk. They don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't have the risk, and yeah, the risk is significant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I think onboarding employees. Um, you know, it, it's taken for a lot of companies as just an HR perspective. Um, it's not something that every business owner has in place, you know, onboarding employees is like, all right, go follow Dave around and learn from him for the next week. I used to, well, I told you before we started today, one of the worst days of my life in (laughs) previous companies was the day a new employee started. Mm -hmm. And by that, I don't mean maybe somebody who's working out in the shop where somebody else is thinking, but somebody sales or some other authority type position, the day they actually started and I'm sitting there saying, now what? what? What do I actually want you to do? Yeah. And in the past, I'd pass that off, say, follow, follow John around here, show you the ropes. Right. And that's uh, very decidedly not the way to do it. It's not. I think something that I told you is with onboarding, you're really trying to meet expectations. It's a good opportunity for the employee to meet the expectations that were set by how you interviewed them and why you hired them because you thought they were gonna be this type of employee. But at the same time, you're having to meet the expectations that you set during the interview for that candidate of, hey, during that hiring process, this is who we are, this is what your role is gonna be like. And I've been in a couple of jobs where during the hiring process, you're really excited, you think it's gonna be this great experience. And then you show up on the job and the reality is like, what, like this is not anything that I thought it was gonna be, this is awful. There was an old comic strip by a guy named Ace Reed, and it was all Western stuff, cowboy stuff. Yeah. So it was pretty good. But I'll never forget one. There was a beat-up-looking cowboy looking out at the drawn, you know, drawn cowboy looking at you. And below it says, there's a hell of a lot of things they didn't tell me about this outfit when I signed on. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because that's, I, I think about that a lot after a lot of years. Yeah. Boy, there's a hell of a lot of things they didn't tell me when I signed on. Yeah. And I, I think... To go with that, like the reason why there's a lot of things that they didn't tell about when you sign on, well, a lot of employers and small business owners specifically don't have a good layout even during their hiring process. It's like it's more focused on the skill than it is about the actual role and responsibilities and the culture and those types of things. And so, you know, if you're hiring an electrician, okay, do you have your journeyman's license, whatever? Okay, cool. Let's, you know, what's your experience? Let's go. Well, that is in our hiring process more than the onboarding exactly but uh, but that's where onboarding starts in my opinion right is during the hiring process yeah the uh, old saying is that you hire for skill and you fire for attitude is true and by that i mean you use the journeyman do they have the skills do they have the requisite licensing and so on you can see that you can test for that you can uh, look at a certificate but the attitude stuff 
is harder to test for, and as a result, a lot of people don't do that. Right. And when I say hire for skill, fire for attitude, which I didn't come up with that, by the way, that's out there. But you can hire the guy because he's an electrician, but you fire him because he doesn't show up. He's pushing back all the right. time. He's not accounting for his parts. He's rude to customers. He gossips. All, all those things is why they go. Right. So a little bit before the onboarding, not a little bit, the presage to the onboarding is that you look for those type. You can you look find a journeyman, but you look for the values, and there are ways to do that, which isn't our subject today. But among them are that they care about the company, and they, they want the processes and want clarity. Mm-hmm. And that's back to your point, that you're now at onboarding meeting your obligation that you implied if you didn't explicitly present to them when they chose you over the other people who could who they could have gone to work for. Yeah, I think, you know, you have to think back to that hiring process. If that's where the expectations are set for the employee and for the employer, you have to be clear about your expectations and you have to think about those things beforehand. If you're if you're going to fire for attitude, well, how can we look at their attitude during the hiring process? And there's multiple ways of doing that, whether it's, hey, we're going to have you follow this guy around and help with some little tasks during the hiring process. You're not even hired yet, but we're just going to see what it's like and we're going to get you to follow John. And then we're going to ask John, hey, what was it like? What were the conversations like? What could you tell? What was your first impression? Um, But even then, the questions that you ask, something that we do, we're not a contractor, but during our hiring process, we go through our values and we ask for examples of maybe how they've lived out those values in their life, what they think about those values. Um, And that really gets us a good perspective on if they're just BSing, if they don't really care about values. Uh, We can see how good they are at like understanding lessons from past examples that they lived out. Well, we're kind of back on the hiring side of it too, but there's a great book by, boy, didn't write it down, Mark Murphy called Hiring for Attitude. Mm. And if you ask specifically someone, what one of our values is honesty. What does honesty mean to you? And, you know, yeah. it, it's hard and they're going to be thinking, wow, what should I say? And I want to say the right thing. And mm-hmm. But he, Mark Murphy, is a little more clever than that. I'll give you an example. Uh, he suggests a question such as, I don't know if this is in his book, but it's, it's like this. When is it okay to be late for work? Great question. Right? And you don't follow that up. But when's it okay to be late for work? Yeah. And I had somebody ask that the other day, and they said, flat tire or death? <laughs> the, the lady actually said that. Wow. Flat tire or death. But anyway, she was showing her, uh, when is it, because we're contractors and this kind of thing comes up, when is it okay to take a side job? Or better, better than that. What, what did you do? Tell me about a time you were offered the opportunity to do side work. Yeah. Right. You're not leading them one direction or another. Yeah. And if if they've been in the trades at all, yeah, they've had the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. not not in how did you handle it and all that. Just tell me about a time. Yeah. And by answering that question, they will come through. So again, that's kind of did we already do an episode on hiring or is that we just have. on our list we to have. do? But I I think the big point that I want people to understand and you know you're never going to be perfect at it, but your onboarding is meeting the expectations of your hiring process that you laid out. And I have to put this out there. The number one reason for people leaving a company is unclear expectations. It's not money. It's not hours. It's not safety. It's not coworkers. uh, All those are all contribute. But 
this is Christine Sector, Sexter, who was on our previous podcast. I'm not sure if she came up with it in her surveys or reported them, but it makes complete sense. Yeah. And unclear expectations, everybody, you can get that. Uh, if you're an employee and the boss says, go fix this or something, doesn't give you any instruction, you go do it, and then they come and chew your rear end out for not doing it right. Yeah. Well, you're, you're not going to take that very long. Yep. Uh, office politics are unclear expectations because if you're in a subordinate position and you have two owners mm-hmm. and they're fighting each other, well, arguing with each other. Right. Which one do I follow? Right. And I know that if I'm following this guy or this lady, it's this set of expectations. And if this, and pretty soon the, the drama and the stress just wipe you out. Right. And, and you leave. So, well, I, with, let's go on to the onboarding aspect. You know, let's say that you have done your due diligence during the hiring process. You feel like you found a good fit. You feel like you've adequately laid out the expectations that you have for the employee and that they should have for you. Um, you're now into your onboarding phase where you have to now align with those expectations that are set and further set the standards that you expect in the role. You get more defined with those expectations. There's so many areas that should go through an onboarding process, but I'd like to start with what it typically looks like. You know, business owners are out of time. They're stressed out. They're worrying about every employee in the business. And what usually happens is we give you the required paperwork to fill out so so we can do direct deposit so that you know we have all of our legal stuff in place if we have it in place and then it's like all right let's get you on a job and we just start running from the beginning there's no warm-up and that's in my opinion that's a recipe for disaster because you haven't laid out what you your expectations are on the job you haven't really gotten a grasp of what they understand and what they don't understand there hasn't really been good training. It's been haphazard training. Just whatever well, comes up is what you're trained on. On, jo- on the job training, which OTJ, <laughs> OJT, on the job training is no training at all. And I agree. Yeah. Uh, that's haphazard. That's part of abdication instead of delegation. You're letting somebody, yep. maybe the site foreman, mm-hmm. set the expectations. But back to what you said, if you have set the expectations in the hiring process. Yeah. Okay. How do you do that? And we're going to talk about a lot of things, and it gets a little confusing because we'll be just talking about these things. But I want, as we go along, to think in terms of a checklist. Yep. Okay? Subjects that need to be addressed. Some of them are are where the tools are and what the work hours are, but some of them also are um, the exact responsibilities that you're going to be required to yep. do. and if you want to sit down on a Saturday and try to write all that out, uh, go ahead. But that's per- <laughs> not gonna you're happen. not going to do it very well. Yeah. But if you have begun the function, either with a yellow legal pad in your truck or a drive account on Google or yeah. wherever, but you start it, you can add things to it. And one of the uh, best onboarding systems I ever saw was with a former client, and they had eight pages, okay, of single spaced sentences with a check box box to the left on, on each sentence and it said page one two three four five six seven eight day one okay they had to show the employee everything the new hire everything on that list and you're mm-hmm. going, oh my gosh 21 pages 25 or eight pages 25 things a page well 
it was it was a checklist. Some of the things were as easy as where's the coffee? Yeah. Where's the broom? How do you lock or unlock? What's the alarm code for the alarm? Right. Yep. So, but you just having a checklist and you make sure at the end of the day, day one, that you have been through all these things. Yep. Each of which might take five seconds. Some might take two hours, but you have gone through those things next day, right? You can't expect somebody to assimilate eight pages of 25 things a day if they're all intricate instructions and procedures. Right. But the simple things you've mentioned them by having a checklist, you look organized to the employee mm -hmm. and what you've done is made sure we've at least touched on these subjects. Right. You're not going to two months later get mad at somebody because they don't know how to do something if yeah. you've never talked about it. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't want to get mad at them even if you showed them on day one and they don't remember mm -hmm. how to make coffee or whatever the, the job is. But I'd like as we go through this that people are thinking about what we're talking about and reducing it to a checklist, a checklist at the uh, time you're interviewing mm -hmm. that you're looking for, and then on the onboarding. Uh, and then it can get more complicated as you train people to do specific things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think if you see your onboarding as an extension of the hiring process and you're going through a checklist like that, I like that you said you're not going to be able to do something realistically just through one day. Yeah, it's good to go through everything in one day, but you honestly, in my opinion, you have to think of onboarding an employee as really a three-month-plus process. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it almost in a relationship terms, there is love at first sight, right? But there has to be follow-through with that love at first sight. And it's multiple dates until you before you decide, hey, I'm going to ask for your hand in marriage. Not for you. Yeah, you I hope not. Story. I'm already married, Khalil. But you, but you, have, you actually have a good story with Diane. But... Um, I think for most people, there is a courting of that relationship, and you have to learn what it's like around to be around friends together. You have to learn right. what it's like to you know have dinner together, to go on a walk together, all these types of things. With an employee, it's no different. You have to see what they're like in the situations of pressure, in the situations where there has to be strategy involved, in situations where they have to follow instructions, or they have to come up with instructions and teach. Uh, there's just so many different experiences that you have to walk through with an employee to really understand what that relationship is like. But I will say that you know after the first few dates with a person if you're if this is going to work out or not, right? Same thing. You're going to know you're going to know really quickly if this is a good fit and you have to act accordingly. Don't be scared to pull the trigger and say hey, this isn't working. Likewise, in that employee's mind, they're feeling you out just like you're feeling them out. Is this a good fit? Am I enjoying this? This is the place for me. And so you have to be aware of how can I make this the best experience possible to really help this person grow in their professional career so they can have a good experience personally and so they feel involved in the team. And that's really the role of onboarding in my eyes is how can we make it the best experience to train this person, to make, help them feel equipped and educated and empower them to do well in this role over the next three months so we can build a good foundation moving forward in the future. Um, with that, there's a lot of areas that have to be covered. It's a checklist, but you've got, you can't just say, do this, do this, do this, this. No, I, there's a I, lot that's covered. I just covered. want a checklist because um, just talking about it, and we jump back and forth, or at least I do, can run people off chasing rabbits and mm -hmm. off point. If you think of it being a checklist and you just write down, oh, yeah, they need to know mm -hmm. how to do this. Yeah. They need to know how to do this. 
yeah. um, and you put that on your list, you're, you're gathering that information. And, you, and that takes the stress off of you because that was the problem yeah. with me when I had a new employee. I knew all the things they needed to do, but I did not have it. Mm-hmm. And really, we, had, we even had job descriptions, but it's kind of general stuff. Yeah. I mean, specific to the job, but not this is what I want to show you today. Yeah. If you have a curriculum and you execute a curriculum over 90 days, and the curriculum can be specific training, but introduction, we're, we're going to talk about meeting the team and things like that. But a specific curriculum, mm-hmm. you're putting them at ease. It's been yeah. a long time since I had a first day on a job, <laughs> but I have. Yeah. And you have to remember what that was like for you when you showed up. Absolutely. You don't know anybody. You know, you're not sure you're on time, not sure where your desk is, if that's what you've got or where you're supposed to sit, what the rules are to drive around in a truck. A lot of contractors have seatbelt rules, and if you don't, you can be fired immediately. You know, things like that. I don't know all that stuff, and that's what makes the first day for the employee unsettling. If they can just see, oh, these are all the things we're going to do. I can learn stuff and go home and tell their husband or wife. How was the first day? I was great, man. I learned a lot. It was all laid out. Yeah. And some of this was pretty exciting and I've got to do this tomorrow instead of going, Oh, I don't know. Well, I, I really like, I think the Simon Sinek start with why really applies in this situation. I think if you go into that first day and you just go into immediately into like safety training, I think that's fine. But at the end of the day, it's just a lot of technical things that you can't really take in all in one day. Like it has to be spread out. And you're just going to, the employee's just going to sit there and be like, okay, here's just this training. I've got to go through this. doesn't really mean anything. But if you can sit there and start with why, and you can talk about, hey, this is our vision for the company. This is, these are our values. Here's some examples of our values lived out. And even bring in some other employees where it's not just this supervisor just talking down to this person and doing training, but, you know, here's a, a, a peer, a coworker. And hey, tell them an example of how we live out this value in our company. And they'll talk about how we had this customer experience and they had to navigate these, tif- these difficult issues and that's how we applied this value. Now it starts to really set in for this employee, man, this is what I need to embody. This is what I'm striving for. This is what this company is about. I think that really lays a really good foundation for moving forward in a positive manner as you go through the training because they're starting from the values, not from oh, we've got to check this off the list. Right. But you do have to check it off the list. You do have to check it off the list. <laughs> well, but, matter of fact, I'm putting values as my first checkbox. <laughs> well, and, and that's good. But I think it's important to walk through that. Now, I did a uh, short that came out hiring in the post-COVID world. And one of the points I made in there is that you have to, in this day and age, mm-hmm. you have to give employees a reason other than money to come work for you. Yeah. Uh, and that that may not be like the old days it's actually always been that way but used to be a little more fear and things and the boss is the boss and i have to just do what they say nowadays people can find work almost anywhere and so you need to give them a reason to come work for you and explaining your values and the effort of taking a trusted employee and letting them sit in the room and ask them questions yeah and Meaning, have an employee representative talk to the new hire or even pre-hire. Mm-hmm. That is just showing that you you're thinking about them. It's not just all about me. You're a soldier now. Get in line. You signed a paper. Right. Hit the dirt. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I think in a vision, values, those things. If you if you communicate those things during onboarding, 
you are definitely the one percent or you know the minority that is doing that as far as companies go and you'll stand out immediately with that employee and it'll show that you actually care about the purpose of your work not just getting things done even though getting things done is extremely important it really shows purpose and and the to your earlier point being consistent and carrying through on it if you articulate those things mm-hmm. uh, either pre-hire or during onboarding then now you better live up to them exactly there's nothing worse than uh kind of a different setting but a lot of times a boss will have some really good initiative they want to do mm-hmm. and they get all fired up they get everybody all fired up and then they just kind of abandon it yeah and then they have another good idea and people get change course oh, and do that the and then pretty soon i can't remember who it was but somebody was telling me oh when he tells me to do something i don't do anything at all until yeah. he's asked me three times because he usually doesn't right so it's the same with this if you have a vision you have values and you have culture and you talk to them about that yeah. they better see it in their discussions with their coworkers, and they and it, and it better be true otherwise if you don't care about the values and the culture in your company don't talk about it yeah right really and, but of course you and should. it's okay if you you're going you're probably going to have instances where you make mistakes you're going to have instances where you act against your values and in, in some cases point it out acknowledge it hey guys i i didn't live out the values that we have right and I, I struggled here i need to do better and that'll be something that'll really motivate them because if you don't recognize it they absolutely do and if you don't say hey guys i'm sorry they're going to think the values don't matter but by you apologizing about it by you recognizing your weaknesses your failures they're going to say, oh, wow, this actually does matter to that person. I'm glad that he recognized right. it. I hate like going. I was in line at Chipotle and um, the manager, you could tell the employees hated him. Like he just he was constantly like not setting a good example. Like everything on the line was messed up. And even the employees under their breath are like just not doing his damn job, you know. And it it's if you're not living up to the values yourself, that you set for the company, you can't expect other people to either. Right. So be consistent. Well, I, so that's kind of the first in the onboarding yeah, is make people aware of your values. And yeah. Your, your, and your vision, why. what, where you guys are going, what's the purpose. It's going to help motivate just the reason why we're working. And it's not something that just needs to happen during onboarding, but honestly, your employees need to hear those things more regularly than, you know, once a year at the vision meeting or whatever. Um, I think the next thing that's important, if, you know, and this is maybe subjective to how I think about business, but I think teamwork really matters. Um, I think people enjoy being a part of a, a team that is working together. And I really encourage you to get as many people to meet the new hires as possible. And this is hard when you're growing a, a bigger operation and you're hiring every week. It's difficult to, to get in place, but um, make sure that they meet the leadership, meet you, all the managers that are even cross-functional that they're not going to work with make sure that there's some sort of meet and greet with lunch or coffee so that they feel welcomed that they feel apart that feel like they matter um, I think that goes a long way uh, and then really try to establish a good relationship with the people they're going to working with they're going to be working with daily weekly uh, their supervisor make sure that there's frequent interaction with those people in the first week first month first 90 days um that's not just in in the weeds work but make sure they're going to grab coffee make sure they're getting breakfast together or lunch together set those times for them and 
set aside a budget for it as well um, and leave moments for maybe it's the first 90 days every single morning you start with a 15-minute meeting with your supervisor even that's you know if that's not the norm of a normal working week set it during that first 90 days so that they're they can ask questions they can talk about the challenges and the obstacles they're having to overcome help them to set goals each day and follow up on are you achieving those goals almost like a scrum meeting at the beginning of each day so that they feel like there's clear expectations they feel like they're you know valued and they're being recognized in their work right from the beginning um, I also think it's really important to try to learn more about them as a person and show interest in that stuff hey you know how, how are things going with your family what what are some you know where do you guys vacation what are some of the hobbies you have outside of the work what personal goals do you have are you reading any books right now are you, are you trying any fitness goals out um, what do you like to eat uh, we we have a really good onboarding form that we send to employees that we have them fill out that asks some things like, yeah, we need to get your mailing address and your social security number, all that stuff. But we also ask like, what's your favorite candy? Where do you like to get coffee from? Where, you know, where do you go to eat? If you were to get a gift card from a friend, what's your that favorite you candy? Well, yeah. People like candy, They're right? not supposed to eat candy. But uh, yeah, what's your favorite type of chocolate? Whenever you are going out to eat, you know, where, with your wife, where do you go to, where do you go to eat or your spouse? Um, all sorts of things like what type of music do you listen to um, who are some people that you follow on Instagram like everything to understand who they are so that when it comes to their birthday or it comes to the opportunity to recognize them we can send them a gift card that they're actually going to use not just Walmart or Amazon right um, those things matter and if you can find those things out early on they'll feel like you're taking interest in who they are um, and ultimately, we want to feel like we are known and recognized for who we are because we're unique. And um, I think that matters to employees. Um, I think something else that I like to do right from the beginning is set times for the 30-day review. Set, set, set it on the calendar right from the beginning and have a, an agenda for that 30-day review. If you can even have a form that the supervisor goes through during that 30-day review, it's super helpful. But... I think it's a good milestone to say, hey, are things fitting? And have a real conversation with your employee. Uh, is this meeting your expectations? Where, where are our shortcomings? What are you liking so far? What are you not liking? Uh, do you feel like you have clear expectations for what the future looks like? Do you feel like you know how to do all the things that were on that checklist that we went through in the first couple days? Uh, I think that's super important. Then we do quarterly reviews. I know that's not feasible for a lot of companies just as far as time goes. But uh, setting a date for an annual review right then, just because it's so easy to, to look over those things and to forget. But set an annual review, set it that one year work anniversary so that you can get them a gift um, for whenever it's their one year mark. All those things are super important. Um, yeah, I think even establishing like a coworker that's not the supervisor that can act as sort of a mentor um, is really helpful. Because it, there's so many challenges that you're going to go through with in your first, you know, month, 30, 90 days that you really don't want to talk to your supervisor about. <laughs> like, it just happens. And so being able to talk to somebody who's maybe a peer, who is a mentor in the sense that they've been there for longer, but they're not above you on the org chart, I think it's really helpful to have that relationship. So just setting like a every other week, hey, lunch or coffee break with that person and even telling that mentor that's on the team 
hey, here's a budget for taking them to coffee every other week. Uh, and please make sure that they feel welcome to help them with whatever it needs, help them with the questions that they don't want to ask their supervisor and get a sense of who they are and how they're fitting. Uh, that's also going to help your team feel invested and in, like they matter in the company because they're getting to mentor people. Um, and it gives them more of a responsibility that's not just on the job training or whatever. Uh, I think those are really helpful ways to, to work with something. Yeah, and I think I there's a, there's an age difference between us. There I is. wouldn't be asking uh, anybody what kind of candy they like. I'm I'm actually not opposed to that, but I. Yeah, I mean it's preference. But I, These I, are ideas. No, yeah, and I totally get the idea of you want to get to know people, a hundred percent. But in the in the um, feedback loop, whether uh, even more frequently than the quarterly reviews, it can be the once a week. If if you as the boss mm -hmm. are talking to somebody, some of the things I want to know is is to ask people: Do you understand clearly what's expected of you? Yeah. And do you understand how you're being measured? Mm -hmm. And do you have everything you need to meet the expectations, that, which would be training and equipment tools and so on? And then is there anything I can do to help? Yeah. I mean, that series of questions uh, I like to ask people. And if they're not intimidated or something, they'll, they'll come back and say, well, I really don't understand this. If you Or I... So they keep talking about this. I've never heard of that. Well, yeah. if we get, did our onboarding correctly, they've heard of it. But yeah. it, it uncovers that kind of thing. Well, and those, those should be re revisited, you know. And those, those really change. aren't to get to know you personally type questions, but they are the review type questions Absolutely. rather than just the uh, a quarterly review, where, which we don't – our method is not to say, you messed up, you're fired, or right. you need to improve on this. It's just literally – do you, do you understand? Yeah. And do you know how you're being measured? Do you know what we expect of you? Absolutely. And that that being the number one that, reason people quit, you address it. Yeah, come back to those things periodically, monthly, weekly, whatever right. you do. You know, like I have weekly meetings with the team, and it's not every single week that I ask those questions, but hey, like, what obstacles do you have? You know, are you enjoying the role that you're in? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what's difficult right now for you? And then I might learn that, wow, we don't have a system for this, or man, we're asking too much on this type of job or whatever. Um, and that, that's super helpful just to get clarity. Just always, are we meeting expectations? Are the expectations clear? How can they improve? Mm -hmm. It gives you opportunities to not only be critiqued yourself as a company, as a supervisor, owner, but it also gives time opportunity for you to critique as well. Um, yeah, there's th this is a very, I, I know that I've touched on a very, um, more cultural related things and uh, making sure that there's fit and that you're invested in the personal, but there's absolutely things that no, that's, are very that's, important. That's the that point. The skill, you hire for skill, fire for attitude. Yeah. It's managing the attitude side. Absolutely. And, it, and it, it's going to set you apart from, we talked about that money. And you know, the, the question thing, do you understand what's expected? Do you know how you're measured? That can be a hallway question. Absolutely. It doesn't Passing have in to the be hall. Hey, Bob. Are you, are you getting everything? Do you understand what we're expecting from you? Mm -hmm. You know, do you know how you're measured? Is there anything I can do to help? If they hear that all the time, they yeah. might actually believe if they've got an issue, they can go tell somebody. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I think that's, that's critical. Well, let's move on to some of the things that are a little bit more technical in nature, because I think there's a lot of areas during onboarding that we're going to mention some things that 
absolutely matter and are serious, but not everybody actually has in place. And so um, I want to start with legal and HR related mm-hmm. things. Um, I mean, I, I know a lot of people that don't even have, you know, confidentiality agreements in place. They hire you. You know a lot of people who don't? Yeah. Do you know any who do? <laughs> and yes, there are out there. That that came up a couple of days ago. I mean, it's hard. Tom Robbins, it? Robinson? Robertson. Yeah, Former Robertson. Robertson. He, he talks about it. Yeah, he's fantastic. Episode 43. Yep. Uh, and I, I just, I think, you know, I, whenever I started, I didn't have any of these things in place. Oh, I know who it was I was talking to. Uh, a client that we both know very well had a key... He acquired another company and for eight or nine months going along really well and a key employee turned in his notice heading out to uh, start a competing business. And they didn't have agreements in place, did they? No. Oh, I said, ooh, and I, I put that a little on me. I'm a coach. That's one of the things I should cycle through and bring up, but I sure. didn't. And Tom Robertson talks about it. We can't have a non-compete. But you can have Not in Oklahoma and most states. But you can sure have an on-solicit. You can't take our customers. You can't take our information. Yeah. And you still have to enforce that. But anyway, so that's getting that's, – that's very relevant. Yeah, you, you have to have – I encourage an offer letter because then it makes okay. it really clear, like, you know, if they end up trying to sue you for something, hey, this is what we expected of them, this right. is what we were going to pay them, all the benefits, just so that all those bases are covered. But then your employee handbook, have them sign that where you can have – if they ever do something against the handbook and you fire them, it's, you know, it's warranted. You're not, you're going to win that case. Um, and then the confidentiality agreement about right. non-solicit, you know, not stealing any of our customers, not sending any of our customer data anywhere else. Yeah. And just, uh, on that subject, get an attorney to do it. for oh, you. I've 100%. got a lot of people trying to ramble through that. Well, I can write that. <laughs> well, Spend the $2,500, $5,000 if you're a big company, you've got an HR department, but spend it. Spend it. And and get the essentials in there that apply in It'll your state. It always cost you more right. later on than it will right. up front. And follow the processes. And that, that's a that's a place you don't want to go discount legal, right? Yeah. You don't want to go discount HR because it can destroy your company. Absolutely. And easily. Yeah. Easily. And it's hard when you're the, the owner of the business doing all the admin work to remember all this stuff. So that's why the checklist in this situation really matters. And if someone else is doing all this stuff for you, it's even harder to remember about it. So get the checklist. Well, you're not an attorney and you're not an HR professional. No. Unless you are, but you're not. And so don't try to act like it. Yeah, absolutely. And, And the other one that goes in the same vein is the insurance that you provide your employees with and the benefits, health, dental, vision, retirement, in life insurance, all that stuff, you probably shouldn't be doing it yourself. And there's a lot of people that would do it for you at, you know, they're not going to charge you. They get a fee from what they sell. Well, the insurance guy's going to sell. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you're wasting your time if you're trying to do all that yourself. Oh, That's absolutely. in the advisor mentor checklist, I think, is a, yeah. don't we have that as we an have, episode? Yeah, we do. And it, it's common sense stuff, but people try to for whatever reason i can do that yeah because ego or because they're wanting to save some money or there's some things you can save money on pardon ignorance not knowing that somebody else can help me with this yeah well that's not an excuse (laughs) yeah get get professionals to do that stuff for you absolutely we had just so many examples i'm not sure we went through them with tom robertson 
were not, but I remember thinking about them, of people who just made their own decisions. And all it takes is one person to get mad at you. Yep. And they go to the labor, fair labor board or whatever the it is in your state or, and start making these complaints. And at the very least, you've got a royal PIA painting the rear end, <laughs> having to deal with it, which not only is cost you your time, but it also distracts you from doing things that you can do to be profitable. Yeah. And it can sure happen. That great person, just like my client who had it, who had a, his top person leave completely out of the blue, yep. completely, completely blindsided. So it can happen out there and you have to be prepared. You do. And it's not going to be you. Absolutely. So we've gone a little bit over legal. That's absolutely a part of your onboarding. Right. Uh, safety is a huge deal. Um, review the safety manual that you better have. Uh, any safety training that you do as a company. Once again, the safety manual, the safety training is best done uh, or organized or at least guided by a professional. Absolutely. Yeah. Like uh, Gary Messick that we talked to. There's so many others. Just go through that role specific to the role even. Not just if, the more specific you can make it, I think the better because it actually is applicable. Last thing you want to do is sit through a training that's so generic right. that it doesn't really, it's hard to even think about how it applies. But if you give, if you have a professional, they're actually really good teachers too. Just like in, when you're in college or in high school, we all had those favorite teachers that got us engaged. And, and that was my favorite subject, not because of actually the subject, but because of who was teaching it. So find someone who's really good and really like interactive, getting a discussion involved, those things will really help the safety actually stick on for on the job. But that's an, another thing. A big one that we help companies with a lot is software. Um, you know, whenever we're working with people, is that's something that we would handle during the onboarding. Oh, you've got a new employee. We'll get their account set up. We'll do all the training on it. Walk them through the SOPs that of how to use the software. <laughs> get but, their email set up on the company computer. Exactly. That way you can control. And you have a computer stuff. policy. Yep. I mean, if we're talking guys out building, framing a building or pouring concrete, they might not have a company laptop. But a lot of people above that, the project managers, project managers, you know, they, salespeople, they got all your information. Mm-hmm. They got it on a computer. They got it on their phone. What's your policy on that? Yeah. If they Absolutely. decide to leave, or they leave it lying around and let somebody can download your information on a thumb drive. Yeah. Which people don't do much anymore on thumb drives, but there are ways to <laughs> upload it to their gmail yeah. account or whatever it is exactly exactly so that that's a big one and you know obviously the higher up the role the more office related role it is the more you're gonna have to focus on those types of things for onboarding and it can really make or break the role if you just sit there and just throw on the computer and say okay yeah you're gonna start doing stuff you're gonna run into issues where the you know data entry is not accurate and all the organization of your files is extremely complicated and haphazard you want to make sure that you have a good system in place for getting all that stuff done if it's a very high level you know skilled labor office role um, which, which is not easy and again don't necessarily have that onboarding done by yourself you might have you know director role do that training or an outsourced company like uh, your IT company or your software company uh, do that training for them. The next thing that's really important is equipment, right? This is definitely going to be applying to a lot of roles, uh, especially those techs, uh, people on site. 
where is our equipment located? Where do we get access to inventory and materials? How do we check that stuff out? How do we bill that stuff if we're having to bill it? How do we use the equipment? You know, there's just almost infinite stuff around the, around your equipment. Um, and everybody's different with how it goes. And if you start assuming that, oh yeah, they've been in this industry for 10 years, you might just be taking on some well, of the worst problems inside of your company. Yeah, they've been doing it wrong. Yeah. Well, the other side of it is a lot of expensive uh, jackhammer, you know, air pneumatic hammer might be $5,000 and it's in the back of your truck. Yep. And somebody took it out of the, well, I didn't take it. John took it. No, you had it the other day. I brought it back. Anyway, <laughs> tracking that stuff. I mean, there are lots of technology to do that now, hidden uh, Bluetooth chips and things like that. But there's, there's a lot around that, and they need to know what those processes are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, that's not something that necessarily has to be done by you. You know, if you're, your inventory manager can do this onboarding, schedule that day of, hey, this is the inventory manager. Here's the system process they go through. If you don't have that, you may go to the supply shop with them and say, hey, this is how we do it. The supply store guy can also walk through some stuff with you there. Um, you know, those supply stores want to keep your business. And, and so if they're ingrained into your processes, <laughs> they love that because they're, that means that you're going to be using them for a while. So, uh, we even talked to Michael Barnett a little bit about the system that he has. Uh, I forget what episode eight or something along long those time lines. Ago. Long time ago. Uh, literally it's all tracked from the time they walk out of the gate via what's the technology? I forget. POS. I mean, yeah. they have point of sale. Yeah, but barcode each, stuff. Yeah, barcodes. Like, but when you walk out with it, the barcode scanned. Oh, RF. Yeah, RF. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. And uh, yeah, I mean, that just makes it infinitely easier. Like, hey, you any job you're going on for the day, you're taking it from the inventory that day, and well, it's the, being scanned in real time. Thing with Michael is the suppliers own it. Yeah, the suppliers and, own until it. it's scanned out. Yeah, and then he gets billed, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. So. I mean, you may or may not have that process. The point is, if you have a process such as that, they need to learn that process. Yeah. And so far as our checklist is concerned, you need to mention that you have that project and process and you need to learn it. Yep. Um, on the early on onboarding, you may not be able to teach them the entirety of it, but you at yep. least need to introduce it and they have to be aware that that's something that's coming up. Absolutely. And so we've gone through a lot of different things here. And this is even before we've touched on just the job duties, right. like their, what's their role and what are the expectations and duties, responsibilities they have for that role. And I think if you go through all these things over time, it's not necessarily going to happen in this specific order, right? But if you go through all these things, it's really clear that this is an organized company and I'm a part of a bigger picture and they take this stuff seriously. They're investing in me um, and go through it over time. Some of this stuff has to be done first, like the legal should probably be done up front, right? But some of the equipment stuff, you don't necessarily have to get them started that quickly. But it, this, you're developing a member of your team. You're not just hiring a, a head, you know? Or heart, what is, uh, Jeff, Jeff says, hiring a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. not just hiring a heartbeat and then saying, okay, here's go on the job training, right? But you're, you're hiring a member of your team. You're investing into the value of your company with this hire. How can you add and extract the most value out of them uh, and make them feel like they're a part of something valuable? And then you go into your you know, job duties. Okay, 
here's the expectations for performance. Here's how we're going to measure you. We need to do a, a separate uh, podcast on how to write a good job description. Okay. But, um, yeah, that the job description is important. It's, it lays out the expectations, how you're measured, what the duties are. It's yeah. the kind of dry document that makes things clear. Yep. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all Everything we've been talking about up to this point, we haven't even talked about that yet. Yeah. Oh, by the way, here's what you have to do. Yeah. And, you know, I even talked at the uh, talked with ASA, American Subcontract Association, about how hard it is to find good people and then retain those people. But I wonder how many of these companies are going through a lot of these things. And it is difficult. And you will especially in today's age after COVID with all of the different uh, stimulus packages that have been passed, you are having to pay a premium for people. But it's amazing how much retention matters and how much more costly it is to have to keep hiring people because you can't retain them. And if you want to retain people, if you go through a process like this, yeah, you're going to be firing some people that do not fit because obviously they can't handle this. But if you can find those people and retain them, you will save so much money over the long term. I think Apple, um, obviously they're not a contractor, but they they change their uh, policies and their benefits for their team members where they get all the Apple equipment they need. They get college reimbursement and full health benefits, and they're getting paid a minimum $15 an hour, but they would get raised to $20 an hour in their first 90 days. Uh, just for these Apple store employees. These aren't like at Apple. These mm -hmm. are just the retail employees. And their turnover went to like basically non-existent. Like people were leaving just because they were outgrowing the job, not because they didn't like it. And they saved hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars once they started implementing those mm -hmm. policies where they actually valued the, the employee. They gave them really good training. And if they wanted to learn something and go to a, a higher level, they gave them the training to do it. Um, and that's a, that's it's a different way of approaching things, but you get to control a lot by doing that. And you do that through your onboarding processes, and it, it's just super important to, to really value onboarding. Yeah, I think the takeaway from today is all the things you wish an employee knew, <laughs> uh, plus listening to some things maybe that Khalil or I brought up that you hadn't thought, oh, yeah, that's right. But make a list of them. Yeah. Make a list of them and you get better and better at how you present that list, but mm -hmm. make a list. Um, Just start. If, depending on your company, but a lot of companies don't hire that often. Right. And like, like you mentioned, the onboarding process says, well, now what do we got to do? We got to give them a nine, nine. Oh, they got to have an email. Yeah. Oh, we got to get them a cell phone. Uh, you know, and you're scrambling to think through and then do it. Oh, we got to get a copy of their driver's license. Oh, we got to do a background check and see that they can drive our vehicle. Oh, we got to add them to the engine. Make a list of all those things. Just have a huge And you have it in a file. And the next time you hire somebody, you go, oh, yeah, we've got, to, I forgot, we have to call our insurance company and add them to the driver's yep. list or find out that they can't. But <laughs> those are all administrative type things. But the rest of them, the onboarding, the setting a mentor, that routine asking them, do you know what's expected? Do you yep. know how you're measured? Do you have everything you need to do your job? Do you have any questions? Uh, all of those things need to be on the list as well. Absolutely. So make a list of everything that annoys you last time you hired somebody and everything you can think of. 
And if you have a working list, it's easy to go in and add item 29. It is. If you don't have a list, you write it on a scrap of paper or a napkin at Starbucks or whatever. And then, oh, yeah, I got to. And then you never do. Yeah. And so it's Groundhog Day every time you hire somebody. Oh, yeah, we had that problem last time. Yeah. Need to fix that. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I think that is the biggest takeaway. Go make a checklist. Keep it in your drive. Keep it in your binder that's on your desk, whatever it is that you do to stay organized and just have a list. What are all the things that I need to go through in onboarding in the future? And then continue to build it over time. As you grow, you'll be able to hand off a lot of this stuff. Uh, And maybe you have a full-time HR person that has that checklist that they can be responsible for making sure that That they get with a mentor and get with each and individual role inside the company to do the trainings, to be onboarded in all those areas. But start with that checklist and you'll be surprised as it grows over time. I had a good conversation with um, this group that I'm a part of up in Oklahoma City, and they just talked about how overwhelming it can be at times when you hear things like onboarding employees or different, just abstract processes that you don't get into business for, you know, but they end up coming up. And he said it was really important, you know, we, we focus as business owners so much on the future and even the present. Hopefully we, you focus rarely, on the future. Well, a lot absolutely. of it's like, oh, but you're crap. always thinking about what you don't have. You're right. always thinking about what you need to get. And you don't often look back. But think about your company. If you're, you know, if been in business long, think about your company five years ago. How much different was it? Like, it's changed a lot. And things that didn't even exist exist today because you put that work in. And so don't be too overwhelmed. Small bites, small steps at a time. And know that you were able to make huge leaps and progress in the last five years, know that you're going to be able to do it in the next five as well. And it just happens slowly. It's not something that you have to fix today, but it just takes a small step. And maybe that small step for onboarding employees, if you're not good at it right now, just make the checklist. Yep. So, well, um, we're going to talk about onboarding again in another episode, but it's going to be a little bit different onboarding customers or clients however getting their thinking right yeah straightening them out (laughs) customers what i've learned is if you ignore them they'll quit bothering you (laughs) they'll quit paying you too yeah yeah well thanks martin we'll uh we'll have another deep dive soon talk to you next time (laughs) and probably before then thanks for listening to the cash flow contractor Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com. 